Magnificent is thy name in all the earth. Lord, you got me just where you want me. And he's here with those who want to be here. We praise your holy name. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Yes, yes. O oh Lord, my strength yes. and my redeemer. Yes. I had planned to speak as I had prepared this message for a couple of days. But now I see that uh, the Lord has put something else on my heart. All right, all right. I think that it's something that uh, we need. You may be seated in the presence of our mighty and magnificent Lord. We are beginning a journey a 40-day journey of making an attempt to recognize who our Lord and Savior really is. For a lot of people, Lent is a season for making resolutions. They give up chocolate, sweets, want to pray more, and some people actually will say that they're going to go to church more. <laughs> Beyond that, many here tonight have little understanding of what Lent is. I want to help you and help us get a greater understanding so that we can engage this season more appropriately. All right. The real aim of Lent, above all else, is to prepare men for celebration of the death and resurrection of Christ. All right. The better the preparation, more the more effective the celebration will be. Yes. One can effectively relive that mystery only with purified mind and heart. Okay. The purpose of Lent is to provide that purification by weaning men and women from sin and selflessness through self-denial and prayer. All right, all right. By creating in them 
the desire to do God's will and to make his kingdom come by making it come first, first of all, in our heart. Bible says that we are purified, cleansed, and set apart and made pure in God's sight by the shed of his blood. And we know that to be true. John 1.17 says that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's no coincidence that the crib and the cross were both made of wood. The crib and the cross were both made of wood. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let's, let us exalt his name together. Very few people stood up and said that they were thankful to be here. But if he didn't do anything else for you today, he woke you up this morning. And you should be glad of that. Praise his name. Praise his holy name. Charles uh, Spurgeon, the great theologian from London, calls this Psalm 95 an invitation to worship. As worship being the center of our Lenten services, it has about it has about it a ring like a church bell. Some sounds merrily and some sounds solemnly. Psalm 32 seeks to understand why it comes. Why it comes from and because of the time of misfortune. These psalms give homage and give thanks to David for the sins that he has committed. And these psalms are asking him to, asking God to forgive him for his sins. And he asked, uh, he says, blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. These psalms give us hope and strength to continue in this in this 40-day journey. It's not going to be easy. 40 days of fasting and praying is not an easy task for any of us. The 40 days that we look at, the 40 days that Jesus was tempted by the devil. Speaking of that Man, the devil, our arch enemy. That's why the journey is not going to be easy. Because he's going to approach you in different ways. Number one, he's not going to approach you with a a red jumpsuit, (laughs) horns and a pitchfork. He's not coming that way. He's coming the way just the way you like it. All of you know the way you like it. 
most of us have favorites of the way we like it, the way we like everything. That's the way he's coming at you during these 40 days. And to accomplish these 40 day, this 40-day journey, we need grace. And James 4, 6 says that he gives greater grace. No matter what condition that you're in, no matter what your circumstances are, he gives greater grace. No matter how long you've been struggling with addictions, he gives greater grace. No matter how many times you've said that I can't do it alone, he gives greater grace. James 4, 6. He gives greater grace. No matter how many times you have a habit that you can't shake, he gives greater grace. He gives greater grace. He gives greater grace to the humble. So all we have to do is humble ourselves to him. I think the word says that if my people will humble themselves. <laughs> That's what's difficult, to humble ourselves. How many times have you humbled yourself in the last day? How many times has the devil tempted you this day? How many times have you sinned in the last 10 minutes? Everybody sitting in the last 10 minutes, raise your hand. Oh, nobody's sitting in the last 10 minutes? Well, I sin every second. Because he's on his job. That's what he does. That's what he does best. Tempt you. And if you think that he's coming with a red jumpsuit, yeah. if you've been to the county, <laughs> an orange jumpsuit, pitchfork, <coughs> and stick some horns on, then you, you made a bad mistake. Because he's not coming that way. Just like I said, he's coming just the way you like it. I know a man uh, in the second century who wanted to get close to Christ and couldn't. See, sometimes we have people that are undercover. They are secret agent Christians. They come uh, on Sunday and say, amen, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. And as soon as that petition comes up on Monday morning, they revert back to that same person. How many people in here today know what the preacher preached about last week? That's what I thought. <laughs> My wife has prepared probably in the last several years, over 32,000 meals. But I can't remember all those meals that she's prepared for me. And I know that the people in here today can't remember the sermon that the preacher preached 
last week, undercover Christians <laughs> hiding out. You know, the more you do something, the better you become at it. The more times you practice something, the better you do it. When the choir performs, it's because they spend hours and hours rehearsing. So whenever you praise and give God his glory, you ought to know that you're rehearsing for what has God has already done. What has he done for you lately? Like the old Janet Jackson song, what have you done lately for God? No, we all are looking for something from God, but what do we want to give to God? Can we give him some glory right now? Does anybody want to give him some glory right now? Is he worthy of his praise? Is he worthy of his praise? See, Jesus didn't come for us to be failures. He didn't come to be mismanagers. As a matter of fact, it's a quite clear and clarion call. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Despite that clarion call, too many of us here have mismanaged opportunities and inappropriately handled spiritual matters. That's why we're here on this 40-day journey. I know a man from the early second century who was a perfect picture of mismanagement. A man who handled an opportunity inappropriately. This man was Nicodemus. John gives us some sociology about Nicodemus. Nicodemus is probably one of the few people who had the opportunity to meet Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin and a ruler of the Jews. All right. The Pharisees came about in the early second century to protect the fact that military leaders had been appointed as priests, and they didn't like that. And they arose in strict demonstration protest to what they called devaluing the office of the priest. All right. They were called Pharisees because they believed in the adherence of the law from the Mishnah, the Pentateuch, and the Torah. Nicodemus had everything you would want. He had status, prosperity, position. In other, in other words, Nicodemus was what you might call a high roller, a baller, shot caller. In other words, he was a HPIC, the head Pharisee in charge. One thing we see that Nicodemus, about Nicodemus was, Nicodemus was what so many of we see today call undercover Christians. Mm -hmm. 
come to church and hide out. One thing we see about Nicodemus is he approaches Jesus at night. Why? Why do we approach Jesus in the day and hide out? Because we're undercover Christians. We don't know, we don't want to have a relationship with Jesus. We'd rather just come in and say, Hallelujah, thank you, Lord, and leave. As soon as you get out of that parking lot, you go back to the ideas and ideals that you thought. He didn't want his Sanhedrin brothers to know that he might commit himself to Jesus. Like so many of us today, we don't really want to commit to Jesus. Well, this 40-day journey will help us to commit to Jesus. Denying ourselves and yourselves things that you usually have. Cigarettes, nicotine, caffeine, and the like. All those things. You hide out. So Nicodemus did what a lot of us do. We hide out in church. So Nicodemus puts on his shades, pulls up his collar, turns to the left, turns to the north, turns to the south, because he wants to hide or conceal his desire to be a follower of Jesus. You'd be surprised to see people that don't want to know Jesus, afraid to ask grace at meals because your colleagues and your boss don't want to know you're a follower of Jesus. Don't want to ask grace. Don't want people to know you. So I'm here to tell you that if you're ashamed of your relationship with Jesus, he will be ashamed of you. You know, my brothers and sisters, I'm so glad that since I've been saved, I don't have to worry about what people say. And if you're a Christian, you shouldn't worry about people what people say. Because they're going to say what they say anyway. Even if you say it in a nice way. You know, you can have all the best things of life. All the money. All the cars. All the trappings. And all the accoutrements of life. And still have no peace. That's what Nicodemus had. No peace in his life. He had no peace. He was filled with the desire to know this preacher from Galilee. And we look at our theme again, come and see. Was the invitation from Christ at our Lenten text. On initial observation on verse 2, it would seem that uh, it was filled with respect and nobility. But on further examination and some linguistic etymological review and some exegesis on the issue, we see that Nicodemus spoke well 
cognitively, but discern wrong. How can a man get into the womb again? I'm a grown man. He understood what he he understood what he thought he what he thought he heard. What he but he cognitively discerned wrong, and it's obvious that he didn't know who he was talking to. He he addresses Jesus, Rabbi. We know that you are a teacher come from God for no man and he says this use this term rabbi teacher and man rabbonus didaskalos anthropos teacher great teacher man this is how confused Nicodemus was he was confused see Nicodemus wanted to stay undercover like people, ancient and secret ancient Christians do. I thought I heard somebody say amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's what you say on Sunday. But then it turns to something else. So to finish this 40-day journey, we must remember it's not going to be easy. Because the enemy, the devil, is what? Trying to devour anybody he can. And most likely, he won't be wearing that red jumpsuit with a pitchfork and horns. And that's why we have a battle. We have a battle, and we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us in that battle. If we don't ask for help in that battle, we'll never make it. See, there's a battle that's going on right now. And that battle is never ending. See, God made the first move when he created angels. And Lucifer didn't like that. So he reacted in rebellion against God and took one-third of the angels with him. So God countered that move and created man in his own image, a little lower than angels. So then Satan rebelled against that by getting Adam and Eve to turn the earth into his, over to his control. But God countered that move by emancipating covering for Adam and Eve so they could return back in fellowship with God. Then the devil turned to counter that move by getting Cain to kill Abel, to cut off the godly line. And that's when God countered that move through the birth of Seth, so men could again call on the name of the Lord again. So that's when Satan tried to counter that move through the birth of Nimrod, who built the civilizations of Babylon and Assyria, and they gathered to build a tower in Babel in defiance of God. <coughs> then what happened? Then God countered that move and found a man in Ur of the Chaldees named Abraham and said, I will create my own nations who will obey. That's when 
Satan countered that move by getting them trapped in Egypt so that Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. So then God created that move by going to Moses in the Midian and telling him to let my people go. So then you see, during the Old Testament, there was an all, all, all counter move, move, counter move between God and Satan. So it seems like no one was winning. Now we see there's a hundred year period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Those books are captured in the apocryphal books. 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Then in the New Testament opens up with Matthew 1, verse 16. Who begot Joseph, who was married to Mary, by whom was born Jesus Christ. Now before this, God would find a man and use a man. God, got, got tired of that mess. And he said, I'm coming down and take care of this myself. Right. So God became a man yes. in, the presence, in the person of Jesus Christ. So here's Satan again. He tried to counter that move by tempting him in the wilderness. Jesus countered and overcome that, that move by use of the word of God. Then he made his final move by getting Jesus Christ nailed to the cross to at last get rid of this agent of God. But that's when God made the final move. Because early on Sunday morning, just before daybreak, the tomb was open. It was open. And we know it was open. And when it was open, he wasn't there. The tomb was open. And Jesus Christ arose. And the final, was, the final move was made. And this was a move that Satan didn't bank on. And that move, the next move, is your move. The cross, the death, and the resurrection is your victory. That's the victory that you can have in our 40-day journey. Our 40-day journey is not going to be easy. But it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for you by no means. But I think the Lord said that it won't be easy. No journey is going to be easy. But if you speak in his word and seek first the kingdom of God, then the journey might be a little bit less cumbersome. Lord, we do thank you for your presence and your being here and your word. 
Because we know your word is the word that you gave. And Lord, we thank you for all that are here. We ask that you would continue to bless each one. Each one of us that are present in our journey, in our 40-day journey, in this first day of Lent. We praise your holy name. We praise you. We love you. And we thank you. Help us, Lord, to complete this journey and become closer to you. And we will, we will forever give you praise and glory and honor. And it is in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen.